Listeners, my name is Troy, and welcome to the AC Podcast. I'm your host for today's episode, and I'm here with my colleague Steve. And we got two special guests on today. We have Jacob Volk and John Michael Bout from the Into the Light documentary. Gentlemen, welcome to the AC Podcast. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's good to chat with you guys. Absolutely. Yeah. Steve, how you doing, my man? Not that great. Uh, yeah, so let's go there. for those, yeah, for those of us that uh, are regular listeners, you know that I, I have this thing with laryngitis that it's almost like an annual ritual that I get every year. So you can probably hear in my voice that I'm starting to come down with something. But I, I was really interested in doing this interview with Jake and John Michael about this documentary. So I really wanted to fit this one in before I completely lost my voice for two weeks. So Despite all of that, I'm glad I'm here. I'm really excited to get into this topic. Steve, you're you're a G. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, we need to start actually like making some kind of marker that the annual laryngitis podcast that you've done <laughs> is, is here. But Jacob and and John Michael, these guys have created this this documentary, this docu series, essentially called Into the Light. They take this deep dive into the, the the damaging effects of pornography, but they do it in such a way that is so relational that you don't see in a lot of documentaries. Jacob Volk has worked on various roles in advertising and film in Toronto for f- five years. He has a degree in advertising from Mohawk College and a BA in humanities from Brock University. He co-produced the documentaries Ordinary Commission and Into the Light and runs the podcast Chats Under the Sun. He's working on an MDiv at SPTS in Louisville, Kentucky, where he lives and works at the Recenter Homeless Shelter. Jacob enjoys writing music and shredding snow-covered slopes. I was hoping that was like melting faces, like guitar or something like that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. That's that's a snowboarding reference. I don't know. Yeah. John Michael Bout studied at Brock University with a BA in classics and is working on an MDiv at SPTS as well in Louisville, Kentucky. He's worked on several film sets, co-produced Ordinary Commission and Into the Light, and was a landscape foreman. Come on, landscapers, let's go. Mm -hmm. He is married to his lovely wife, Jessica, with their one-year-old son, Roman, and another on the way. Congratulations. John Michael enjoys playing bass, spike ball, and reading thick Russian novels. Like, that's... (laughs) We're going to get into that later. I got to know more. (laughs) But gentlemen, thank you so much for coming to the show. You guys clearly go to school together. So are you guys just like, like, like best buds? (laughs) You know, we grew up together, uh, being homeschooled together. This guy was the best man in my wedding. Amazing. Yes. Very tight. We've known each (laughs) other for a long, long time. Super cool. Super cool. So I, I, I got to know then, what is life like in Louisville, Kentucky? Because I see that, okay, Jacob, you went to Toronto. Did you live in, like, apart from school, did you did you grow up in, grow up in Toronto? Or where'd you, guys, where'd you guys grow up? Yeah, so both of us are from kind of like this pocket of Canada um, called Niagara and okay. like the Niagara area. And so there's a lot of like Dutch reformed churches there. Like we're kind of right. third generation immigrants from the Netherlands. And so that's kind of like a, it's like a church culture, but it's a, it's a culture culture too. Gotcha. And so I went to Mohawk for school and then I would commute up to Toronto and work um, in, in different mm-hmm. positions in advertising for a while. But kind of like that whole, you know, you guys know this, the golden horseshoe area has kind of been our, our stomping grounds for a while until we came down here to Southern. 
for school. Okay, cool. That's cool. I actually was just in Toronto for the last week. Um, mm-hmm. And I just was by Niagara. So now, but I got to ask, for someone who grew up in Niagara, is it just like another big pool of water when you guys drive by it? Honestly, I didn't realize how much I loved Lake Ontario until coming to Kentucky and okay. not having like a big body of water, an ocean mm-hmm. or a lake. It's just like, oh, I actually really miss the beauty and the kind of the landscapes that having a, a lake creates. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I live in the Edmonton area in Alberta, so mm. I can appreciate that. And I'm from BC originally mm. in the yeah. Vancouver, um, <laughs> Abbotsford area. So mountains and waters to just flat land. I'm, I mean, I'm starting to really appreciate it now, but mm. I do miss the, you, you know, the, the cliche is you don't know what you got till it's gone. It's really mm. true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so yeah. True. yeah. Um, on that note, um, let's start getting into the documentary. Now, you didn't just create this documentary from a detached place as an academic exercise, uh, but you come from a very personal place. So tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. I mean, really, this for me starts in my own personal testimony. Uh, I grew up amazing Christian parents. Uh, They love the Lord, taught all of us what it means to follow him. And even in the context of a family like that, parents, good teaching, uh, I came across pornography for the first time when I was age eight. Mm. So very young, uh, and and it did not take long for that curiosity to turn into a full-blown addiction Mm. that lasted almost a decade. So Mm. for me, uh, growing up in a Christian home, I got really good at living that uh, double lifestyle of putting on a good front. I was involved in youth group, leading discussions, having theological chats with people, but at the same time, feeding a a growing love, habit, addiction uh, with pornography. And that was choking out, that satanic discipleship was choking out uh, my love for the Lord. Mm. So that for me, that went on for, for nearly a decade until I started at age 17, started hanging out with some older guys that imaged what it means to, you know, be consistent, confess into each other. Uh, when they talked about the Lord, it showed evident uh, to be true in their lives as well, not just their words. Yeah. And I remember, uh, yeah, one time in my, my parents' garage, we were sitting there talking about a, a conference they had been to, and they were sharing about how God was working in their, in their hearts and their lives. And I remember the conviction of the Holy Spirit, like, you don't open up right now. If you don't confess your sin, you never will. Hmm. And you're going to remain a hypocrite, living this double lifestyle for the rest of your life. Yeah. Uh, so by God's grace, I did open up to them there. I did confess my sin to, to them, but also really properly for the first time to God. And at that point, I always point people back to, I could start saying, in truth, I love the Lord. I start to love other people rightly. Just kind of, you know, fast forwarding a little bit too. From there, I started doing accountability with those guys. I took a 12-step program and through those things and, and some really good books, God gave me freedom from pornography. 
Um, That's so good. Yeah. You know, you know, there's something that you said there that was that I think is really, really vital to look at it this way. And I've mean, I never actually heard anyone put it that way that when you said satanic discipleship, like truly. Yeah, that's being what dis- stood out to me, too. Yeah. Truly being discipled by the enemy in mm. these fleshly ways like mm. that is that is super crucial to put it that way, because I think sometimes, especially as men, we we almost want to play it off like we were we were hoodwinked all the time. Mm. And there mm. there there is a period of that. But when that conviction settles in, there comes mm. this point where, oh, I actually have to make an active decision to keep mm. following you. And so I think that's a really, really important important term so that you can actually understand the gravity uh, of what is actually taking place. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And what about I, uh, you, Jake? Yeah, we got we to gotta give, give creds where creds is due. I think Garrett Kell was the first guy that um, that's where that, I, that pointed I, us to that statement. Yeah. Cool. And Garrett is fantastic. He's, he's one of the guys in the documentary. Yeah. Um, so for, for me, I uh, have a very, in a lot of ways, a similar story to Jermichael, uh, unique in one specific way. M- my mom um, talked to me a lot about pornography from when I was actually quite young, like nine or 10, just mm. discussing those in age appropriate terms. And by the grace of God, a couple of miracles and a mom who just, prayed a lot for me, I never got hooked on pornography proper. And mm. so I got a, a very rare gift that I, none of my peers, very few of my peers have, have gotten and that I wasn't hooked into that particular um, addiction, that particular sin set. However, I was completely addicted to masturbation for the entirety of my teenage years. And so I would just habitually give into lust filled sin over and over and over again without a care in the world. And occasionally, you know, I'd, I'd like flip through my Bible, didn't see the word in there, call it a day and, and just not, frankly, not care that much. Mm. However, I hit a point where, you know, God convicted me continually of that. Some uh, more conversations with good friends, also really good resources that started like having me think deeper about God's design for sexuality, not yeah. just like a surface proof texting. And um, I got really convicted of that, of that pattern of lust. And, and by the grace of God, I, I put that habitual sin to death. And um, I'm so, I'm so thankful uh, for that. Mm-hmm. But then, uh, you know, both of us kind of at around the same time felt a, a desire to go into to ministry. And so, you know, I came a year before John Michael to seminary here and I got the opportunity to talk to Tim Challies. And Tim has written this really good book, uh, Sexual Detox, and I was asking him about it. And and Tim's got a really great sense of humor. He's like, eh, the book's fine. Like, there are better books right now. And, <laughs> and so we just started talking about it. And he made a really interesting point. He's like, you know, we have this video problem of pornography, but in answer, we typically write books. He's like, there mm. could be use for a video-oriented resource to tackle this problem of pornography. And I was just like, bro. Uh, so I'm like taking notes. I, ding, I, ding, that, ding, 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 <laughs> ding. Ding, exactly. He did, I mean, he didn't know that both – I mean, he didn't know Jamichael at all, but he didn't know that I worked in film. And so I called Jamichael and I was like, dude, we are so passionate about this issue. It's, it's like sexual sin has been such a, a part of our journey to like really loving Christ properly. And it's been mm. such a burden for so many of our brothers and sisters – and we work in film, like, can we marry these together? Like, is it possible for us to reach out to some of the authors and speakers and counselors who have most impacted us and, and put them together at this as this like team to inside this documentary? And that that kicked off a a year and a half of of filming, uh, filming, connecting, reaching speakers, like the whole. I mean, you guys can ask as many questions as you want about the heart of that. Yeah. Um, 
and and we did fundraising because we wanted to offer it as a free resource, which again we could talk about. But the end of it all is uh, earlier this year we released the documentary Into the Light, and it's a teaching documentary on freedom from pornography that that really walks through that process of change, right, from bondage and sexual sin to freedom in Christ. And so we mm. we built it for the church as a resource for strugglers, and um, it's God is good. We're, we're really grateful mm. that um, that we got to be able to make it. It was a really great documentary. Like I really enjoyed, I really enjoyed watching it. And one of the things I want to, I want to tell you guys is also, I love that you had two women on there because pornography, especially when discussed in the church, if I think about my own upbringing mm. within the church and men's ministry, so much of men's ministry was always just around our struggle with pornography, our struggle yeah. with uh, yeah. with lust and body image and 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 objectifying women. It was just constant, you know, direction towards the males. But you would never really hear about you know women who struggled with it, women who had to you know overcome those things. And so for you guys to even curate this documentary, having uh, Jenny and Jenny and Ellen on here was just mm. it honestly was just super cool to see. Stevie, mm. you, you wanted yeah. to say something. Yeah, no, right from the beginning, that's the point that you make, is that this is not just a problem for men. And I don't remember exactly where I got this statistic from, because you know they, they say 80% of statistics are made up on the spot, but I do remember <laughs> seeing somewhere saying that uh, um, 7 out of 10 people addicted to pornography are men. So we're like, wow, this is a guy's problem. Well, no, there's still a really significant chunk of women that are struggling mm -hmm. with this. And because yeah, in the church, we often frame it as, you know, like men's struggle, uh, I, I find that women often don't feel mm. safe enough. Like it, it almost feel like they're out of place if they were to bring this up. Yeah. Um, and, and, and because this is a, a, a sexual sin, it would be rather uncomfortable to bring it up in the presence of a bunch of men, right? Mm -hmm. And and so I think it was really it was really good to see you highlight the fact that this is mm -hmm. not just a problem. And and I've got children of my own. Uh, I've got a, a a son and a daughter, and I'm not mm -hmm. just worried about pornography for my my son. But I'm also mm. worried about my daughter as well, because yeah. it's it's going to shape the kind of like what you were saying earlier, satanic discipleship. Man, that's a really good way to put it. Because another thing that you really hit on, I think, is that pornography is not this benign thing. It shapes you. It shapes the way you look at people in mm. general, um, the people of the opposite sex, right? And and it has a way of molding you. So I thought. And that's a struggle for both men and women. So I thought it was really great to see you guys bring that up. Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of myths like, oh, men are the visual ones and women are totally the emotional yeah. ones. And it's like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah. a clear line that it, yeah. it, it's just not the case. Uh, I think there's a lot of factors to the rise in women watching pornography. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, just access. That's another, another one of the things. Mm -hmm. But yeah, yeah, there's... That was one of our commitments right from the get-go was we both want to have women speakers in this. And we kind of just with our speakers talked about using equal examples of men and women yeah. struggling just to try to remove as much of that shame as possible. Mm -hmm. Sin is sin, mm -hmm. but we want to remove the barriers for people that are in the way from confessing it and mm -hmm. getting the hope and the healing that they need. And yeah. and one of the like one of the things, you know, we've done um a metric heck load of reading 
on this issue of pornography and and had to read some stuff that was really unpleasant along the way in the research process. And so th there are meaningful differences between how men and women approach sexuality, obviously. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, it's like, this is sexual sin. There's commonalities of sin of like, this, you know, war of the flesh, that's a common to all sin. And that's and enough. At, yeah. At, and at the end yeah. of the day, man, it's it's Jesus and the, and the person work of him on the cross. That's the pathway out of this. So if, you're, if your solution is the same, then you do su we do such a disservice to the women in our churches when we silo this off and talk about it as a, men pro as a man's problem. Mm -hmm. I think yeah. it was, um, was it Helen Thorne? So in, in her book, uh, Is It Purity's Possible? Mm -hmm. Hers? So she, she talks like... Um, you can actually, with different survey sets, measure shame reasonably accurately, like different levels of shame. Mm. Women suffer from four times as much shame around the concept of sexual sin in Christian circles than men do. Wow. And so, like, if you're if you're listening to this, you know how it feels like that shame of pornography. Imagine that quadrupled, and it's mm, yeah. it's a huge burden to bear when you're not being offered the same gospel hope that that guys are. So, yeah, we're just yeah. I'm really grateful that that like Ellen and Jenny. We're like just jumped on the team and and we're really there to be that in the documentary because yeah. like and they're they're fantastic. Both of them are so much fun to work with. They're like they're just incredible women. Yeah, I would. So I would love to know as we you know we're moving along here. How did this? So what was the the process of beginning this this documentary? Like was it just okay? All right, man. Big high five. Big brain idea. We're sitting in the dorm. Let's make this documentary. Or, you know, did you pull in a team and then, you know, give give our listeners kind of the process of, you know, kind of start to finish? It's, it's really cool looking like looking back over the last few years of my life uh, and Jermichael as well, uh, just to see the providence of God in in where he's placed us. So by the grace of God, we've gotten a lot of skills in different areas. So this was really the two of us um, wow. on the boots on the ground for almost all of it. So many people played so many important roles, sure, but as sure. far as like on on the clock, it was us too for for the most for most of it. And so our first, the big, and feel free to interrupt, Jem. Um, the big thing for us was what kind of thing are we going to make here? Because man, you could talk about marriage, you could talk about dating, you could talk about you could talk about so many things inside this conversation. What exactly are we trying to make? And mm -hmm. so we wanted to make for the person who doesn't read. What is that? You need to know the process of change. You need to know every handhold along the way of all the way through to what it looks like to live like porn free in a church community looking forward to the new kingdom. And so we really wanted to create, in some ways, a very simple message of like, here's what it looks like for the average person in the pew. And so that, that took a lot of time to get right. A lot of writing, a lot of back and forth, a lot of figuring structurally, like because, you know, if we want to make it, like, watchable, like, how about nine hours of lectures is probably not the direction we're going to go. <laughs> right. Um, and, and even you guys, all too well. <laughs> yeah, right? Well, I mean, as a se as seminary boys, like, that might be fun for us, but miserable for, like, everybody else, right? Right. So, but, and, and so you guys know this, right? You've watched it. It's divided up into six chapters, right? And so six chapters, each of them kind of walking through the process of change. And then in between each of those chapters is, like, a three or four minute testimony that that ties the whole documentary mm. together yep. and that that's inspiring it's also restful like you're hearing from people not just watching talking heads and so yeah. kind of figuring out what that balance needed to be took a long time the first few months really kind of slicing and dicing to get the rough outline figured out mm. now one thing i noticed is with each chapter the way i guess you could call them interviewees 
if you will, the way they started their chapter was very much in second person kind of thing. Like, I'm going to talk to you about, mm. um, was that an intentional choice? Yes. That was one of the things we kind of coached everyone to do was almost treat this as if like you're envisioning the person across the screen. Uh, you're, you're talking to a struggler and you know, they're in the midst of, of where they're at and you're, you want to directly be counseling them. So that was one thing we were committed to right away. Uh, even just kind of the, the backstory to why we want to focus on the change process is I've been a part of accountability group for five years now. Mm-hmm. And inside that accountability group, I just know so many faces, names, situations that need direct, uh, direct counseling. And I wish these guys would, you know, would read books, but, uh, getting a teacher, being able to speak right directly to them in a documentary, that was kind of our, our heart. Yeah. I noticed definitely that that's something that definitely comes through, right? Mm. I, um, actually years ago, I think it was almost five years ago, there's an organi- there's an organization called Fight the New Drug, as I imagine you guys have heard of it, right? Um, I actually was in their documentary, uh, oh, cool. that, they did, that they did five years ago. So, and I was just reminded of it when I was watching you, when I was watching yours, cause there, I remember, you know, I was supporting them for quite a number, quite a number of years and, seeing the work that they have done, it, it's really crazy to think that there are so few organizations, let alone openly Christian ones, that are doing this. You know, you would think that it's something that it would be far more prevalent. But I remember even speaking with those guys because I was wearing a, uh, I was wearing a hat at the time that said God is able. And they're like, hey, love your hat, man. But we can't have it in the documentary. And there was just this kind of like faith ambiguity that was like yeah. do you, are you guys mm. christian are you guys not and uh i was wondering if you guys have faced any pushback especially as being christians have you had any of that at all so fight the new drug i love what they do especially in a lot of ways because of their placement they're like non-religious non-legislative yeah. so they kind of they fill a, a specific need you know what i mean they can yeah. speak in areas that our ministry can't yeah. um and i'm, I'm you know, praise god for that right for us, we're so clearly, we're for the church. Um, I Man, all the people who are doing like legal work, like all the different spheres, praise God for every one of them. I think the path God's laid out for us is we want to make resources right down the middle for the people in the pews who, so know, who know that there's a problem, mm-hmm. but they just might not get around to getting a book on it. And that's, mm-hmm. and that's true for the di- resources down the road that, that we're hoping to, to create. So because we're kind of like so in-house, like – in some ways, the pornography conversation is easy in a sense because every pastor is like, yeah, it's 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 sinful to watch pornography and it's wrong. It's a problem. So we don't really get pushback in like an overt sense. It's mm. more apathy. Yeah. Whereas apathy. people would say like, oh, of course, pornography is wrong. But I mean, I mean, that's not really a big struggle in our church. Not and for my kids. Yeah, not my kids or uh, not my church. And you're like, Dude, it's, only that knew. sounds oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Th- that sounds more like denial to me than apathy. Would you say? Yeah, yeah. It's it's often a mixture of both, uh, but especially yeah. denial. And yeah. and you guys know, I mean, the statistics thing is just, you know, we spend a lot. I've spent more time in statistics than I ever thought I would ever on any topic, and it all just becomes sort of this weird blur. Like, is it seventy percent of guys once a month? Is it thirty percent of girls mm. ever? Is it? And it just comes down to. 
every single pastor this coming Sunday is going to stand up in front of a congregation, going to look out, and so many of them will have watched porn that week and are being killed by the shame. They just terrified to come to Jesus, whatever set of particular things they're struggling with. This is just, we feel the most pressing fire burning down the door issue mm. for the average Christian in the pews. And, mm. and we know this because we, we've got all friends. I know all, like I've talked to every single one of my friends about this issue. All of them watched porn for a period of their life. Well, and if you yeah. look at the amount of, you know, sexual aberrations, areas of brokenness in the world, so many of them, if you look down at the root, begin or have a, a source feed, you could say, yeah. from pornography. So for us, it's, it's not only do we care about pornography, but we care about it because this is, it's a grooming thing for sexual abuse. Mm-hmm. It can lead to gender confusion. It destroys marriages. It blocks missions. It guts the gospel of yeah, it. It's just so many of these things that if, if you start with pornography and, and get right there and are giving help there, it will help with so many of the other tendrils of sexual brokenness in the church and in the culture. Mm. That's good. I wonder um, how much you guys have kind of come across the conversation of, you know, a person who says, well, okay, I don't, I don't struggle with pornography. Like I'm not Mm. looking at naked people or anything like that, but I do struggle with people that got their clothes on. My imagination goes this way and that way. Have you, you, (laughs) okay. I feel like that hit a nerve there. Go like, Feel free to speak to that. Well, yeah, let's be careful, eh? So here's the, th- here's the thing. We live being mindful of the, at least like we're all talking, we're kind of, we're all North America here. Mm-hmm. We're all kind of churchy people. The place that we're at culturally is post-purity culture, right? Mm-hmm. So through the 90s, through the 2000s, there was that whole movement. And a lot of things they did were just not good. It was replacing the gospel with the gospel of, hey, if you just stick it out for, like, just make sure you don't get your hands on anybody for a few years, marriage is going to be the greatest thing you've ever experienced. Get married, yeah, and you'll be all right. And and so that shortchanged people, because if you put your faith and hope in anything other than the good Lord, it's not going to work out great for you. And so, so... And then, but also we live, then we're, we're intersecting with a culture that has long since divorced sex from the context of marriage. Once you divorce it from, from procreation, from all the good things God designed marriage for, then sexuality becomes a commodity. And once you, once sexuality becomes a commodity, your body, the auxiliary part, like the means also becomes a commodity to be bought, sold, traded, displayed as you see fit. So right. Christians are interacting with this weird place in in culture. And then that's one conversation. The other conversation is now you have a whole generation of people who have been categorized to view people objectively. So you're yeah. in your bedroom. Maybe you've a history of watching pornography. You've trained yourself to a body equals lust. Like it's just, it's tied together. So when you go out in the real world, you're facing struggles that are just that much more difficult and yeah, man, I, and I don't know, I don't know, that might not be a very precise answer, but like, no, it's, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to say, it, it's a problem. And how you navigate yeah. that in the kind of openness and honest communications each individual is able to have with the people around them is like really difficult. I don't know if you mm-hmm. can say anything about that, mm-hmm. Michael, or honestly, if you guys have any thoughts for on that. Yeah, I I do have a quick thought there. My family, we attend an Anglican church, so it's mm-hmm. a 
you know, Sunday worship, it's liturgy, right? So mm-hmm. we have mm-hmm. a lot of these um, prayers that have been kind of thought out beforehand. And one of the things that we always do at the beginning of the service is confession. And mm-hmm. one of the things that we always say, and I grew up Roman Catholic too, so this I, I know this any sort of liturgical setting where there is confession, like you'll you'll say this uh, when you confess to the parish or the congregation and you confess your sins before the Lord, it's it's not just the words and the deeds. It's things that I have done or failed to do in thought, word, mm. or deed, right? Mm. And so I um as I kind of think about pornography and not just pornography, but you you mentioned post-purity culture and and the way sort of Hollywood shapes our imagination, I think that's really important. Like in a lot of ways, imagination is where we can produce great works of art like Michelangelo's Mm. David Mm. or come up with something absolutely horrendous. Like, I don't know if you've guys heard of this uh, little gem of an art piece called uh, Piss Christ. Where this oh. this guy put right like a, a like a crucifix in a jar of urine, and we call mm. that art, right? And so the, I, I find that the imagination is really key. And so we we should probably really take it seriously when Jesus says, "If you even look at a woman lustfully, mm. you've basically committed adultery with her." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I, I just that centrality of imagination in this whole thing. It's not just imagination; isn't just something that's detached from us, it, it actually plays a really integral part of our life of, you know, faith, if yeah. you will. Well, and this yeah. is where I think there's almost two angles that we should be thinking of this. There's one, like what's coming in as far as the content, just thinking about uh, the, the types of movies, obviously pornography, mm-hmm. a lot of other things falling into that category of very dangerous, unhelpful, sexualized images so that's that's one angle and i think a lot of the time we focus on that and that's good but then the second angle which you're also talking about is okay what's the response in my heart mm. you could you can have there's a lot of situations where maybe the visual i'm i'm looking at someone on the street it's a tv show it's a whatever it is if it's producing lust in my heart it doesn't matter if the image technically fits inside pornography it's a if it's a perfectly dressed man or woman what matters is my is my heart response so i need to re- repent of that whether or not it technically falls into oh i just watched pornography yeah you know as we've been having this conversation you know my my brain is always like scripture verse scripture verse scripture mm. verse and you know i it's moments like these that i especially this topic where I think about, you know, Matthew 5, 29 to 30, right? If your right eye causes you to stumble, Mm -hmm. gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be Mm -hmm. thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. And just a couple of weeks ago, we did um, a two-part series about interpreting the Bible, you know, a healthy mm-hmm. biblical hermeneutic, right? And, you know, you may have one person who reads that and it's like, man, God wants me to cut off my eye and cut off my arm and all these sorts mm-hmm. of things. It's like what you need to see here is the urgency of removing mm-hmm. that, which is creating a division between mm-hmm. you and communing with God on the day to day. And so when I read that, 
I'm like, man, I don't think I don't think he was playing around. I just think he was saying, I mean this so seriously mm-hmm. that if your testimony is, hey, man, why are you missing an eye? Because it was causing me to stumble. Yeah. You know, hey, man, yeah. why don't you have a TV in your house? Because it was causing me to stumble. Why don't you listen to that music? Because it was causing me to stumble. It was separating me mm. from relationship with God. And, you know, I have this um, phrase with my daughter, you know, that, I, that I, I learned from some of my spiritual leaders where when she's being disobedient, I, I ask her and she's five. And this is something we're, I'm teaching her now is like, you would put our relationship at risk for, for you to pursue what you want, because that's ultimately what's happening when you're being disobedient. Mm. You're putting mm. our relationship at risk. You're challenging my love walk, and I'm going to continue doing everything I can to love you. But is our worst is our relationship worth the risk of your mm. pleasure, of your desire? And I believe that the church and and what you guys are talking about in this in this in this documentary is there needs to be an urgency from the church, not a yeah, that is a problem. Maybe we'll deal with it. You know, I'll get to it later. It's like, no, there needs to be a right nowness to this. And if yeah. we don't have that, man, we're losing people every day. The next thing you know, there's another uh, church doing a documentary on yeah. <laughs> XYZ because they didn't deal with something right away, even though they saw the grassroots. Yeah. That makes me think of like a little bit earlier in Matthew 5, Matthew 5, 8, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. It's yes. a beautiful promise. But if you can also take the opposite of that too, cursed are the impure in heart for they shall not see God. Like both are true. So yeah. we're, we're, we're held out the promise, but we need to have the seriousness of the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. That's what first yeah. Corinthians mm-hmm. six says. So without repentance, like this is a, this is a really big issue. There's eternal mm-hmm. consequences to being apathetic about this. Yeah. And I, I love to, in a, in a, I love how, so often, hey, the Bible just operates with like this level of sophistication on so many different levels. Mm-hmm. And in in like an accountability context, looking back kind of to, to chopping off your arm and gouging out your eye, one of, if not the single biggest indicator of how well you're going to be fighting this sin is if you are actually willing to take your flat screen TV and break it over your knee because you care so much about this because you yeah. want to walk in holiness that you're going to do that. And the the guys and the girls who talked to are like, I mean, yeah, but my phone, like I do kind of need it. Like the, the, the waffling again, mm. all, all, all reasonableness included. Sure. It shows you, it shows you the posture of your heart is yeah. Like I want holiness, but like there's, there's stuff I want too. And yes. if I, I as long as I get can, caught, yeah, I don't want to get caught and consequences <laughs> yeah. and stuff like that. But Jesus, like what Jesus is saying, there's like the level of extremism actually is just, it's a postural thing too. Yeah. It's not, maybe it's, maybe the point is not the eye. Maybe the point is not the arm, but maybe the point is the fact that you're actually have the knife over your wrist about to do it because you really want to walk in holiness. That's, that's mm-hmm. getting, that's getting where I think yeah. you're taking this seriously. Right? You know, I think it was, was it Augustine? Cause uh, St. Augustine, like really mightily struggled with sexual mm. sin. You know, he had a mistress, had a child out of wedlock and all that. And I remember seeing a quote by St. Augustine where he says, Lord, save me from my sexual sins, but not yet. But not yet. Yeah. Yeah, uh, but right. not yet. But that that is just to kind of point out, point out, right? This is from his confessions, I believe, where mm-hmm. he, it's basically his biography, autobiography. I want to pick up on that repentance piece, because mm-hmm. when we think of repentance, one thing that stood out to me from 
the documentary is that repentance is very interpersonal and not just private. Like, would you say? Mm, yeah. I think there's, there's a, there's repentance is something before me and God that has very clear evidences before me and everybody else. Yeah. And one of them is what we've been talking about is a willingness to accept the consequences of my sin. Mm -hmm. Another one is just, and I think Keith Lambert says this in the documentary, just the willingness to go tell someone else to confess your sin. That is another marker that you're not half repenting. You're fully, you're, you want to bring this sin into the light so that it can get killed. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's, there's a lot of other markers as well, but so, some of those are really the keys is, is how it comes out with the people around you, even making right the things that you've done wrong, looking to yeah. build up the trust again, making amends. Mm. That's really important. Yeah, you got to want to get free, right? And you got to mm. want to stay free. I always mm. I always use this uh, illustration for those that have watched the Shawshank Redemption is, you know, old blue, you know, he's 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 been in jail for forever, right? Think about the Christian who's been bound by sexual sin for for forever and they have this moment of freedom and I say it's a moment of freedom where they have a a moment with God where they they truly believe, "Oh my gosh, I've confessed my sin." I've been, you know, accepted Christ as my Lord and Savior. I've been set free. Okay, great. But what are the following up steps? Because if you know the story in Shawshank Redemption, he ends up getting an apartment. He's free. Mm, but he's yeah. spent so much time in prison that prison, prison has become home. It's become his comfort. It's become what he is used to that he ends up going and killing himself because freedom is costly too. Freedom mm -hmm. requires yeah. accountability and relationship like you guys are talking about and a desire to stay free. He wanted to go back to jail. And I think there's so many believers, you see it in scripture, right? The Israelites, the same thing. Mm -hmm. But that's why they were told, set them free so that they can worship me, mm -hmm. right? God doesn't want you just to be free from pornography just so that you're free from pornography. It's so that yeah. you can worship him freely in spirit and in truth. It's giving you a new delight, something, yeah. not, not just taking something away, but replacing it with something so much better. Yeah, And I don't think people realize um, what a danger it can be to white knuckle it mm. and get free from porn yourself. Because mm. man, that just shows you how great of a person you are. And yeah. that's not going to serve you in, in any way, because I mean, you're going to crash and burn most likely with that philosophy anyways. But like... The thing is, like, there are secular programs that can get you off pornography, mm -hmm. and they they work in air mm -hmm. quotes. But like, if you're not being reconciled to God and not dealing with the fact that you are a sinner in need of a savior properly, and pornography is only one of the things that you got going on, there's mm -hmm. and then the beauty that comes with that of like resting in the person and work of Jesus, like that whole conversation. That's why, like, we're Christians. Like everything. The Bible, Jesus, salvation, that's going to be the thread, the thorough line through everything we make because mm. I think it's dangerous not to have that. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. As we're as we're slowly coming to a, a close here in about five ish minutes, I would love to mm. know um, what are some of the cool things that you've seen this documentary do or are there some projects or ideas that you guys have like man what if we do is there you know a conference what if we do a hey, i'd love to hear that side of it yeah um we, i mean we got, there's kind of two things right we have testimonies and the future i suppose mm -hmm. the testimonies are the most fun part of this mm -hmm. so like just the other day got a phone call from a guy back home in canada 
who I've known my entire life. Mm. And he said, he's just like, hey, Jake, I, you know, I, I don't, I'm not super close to them anymore. So it's a little odd that he was giving me a ring. And I was like, hey, what's going on? Let's do small talk for a bit. And he's like, I, I just want to let you know, I've been hooked on porn for 10 years. Mm. And it's because of the documentary that I really started taking it seriously. And I just want to let you know, mm. I've just celebrated my first four months clean in a long time. Come on, time. man. I was just like, dude, I start crying, man. Yeah. Praise God. That guy, <laughs> I'm crying. He's, he's, dude, like, and he's like, he's kind of slowly kind of looking at a new relationship. So it's like, that guy's the trajectory of his life by the Let's grace go. of God has now gone from just constant delving into sin to being brought into the light. And now he's moving towards you know, direction relationship, moving forward in holiness, wanting to invest in other guys. It's like this entire person's trajectory has changed. Mm. And we got the opportunity to be a part of that and to create something that was a part of that. And we got the opportunity, like we're just having so much fun with this because as you guys know, the documentary like rests on the shoulders of all the incredible people that we interviewed, mm. right? So we're, mm. we're behind the scenes, but like we also get to be like the locale of all this cool work that God's doing in the church. And like, like, we just launched this as a ministry, right? Proper, getting all the paperwork and stuff. And our vision is to see a generation of Christians who delight in God's design for sexuality and are equipped to handle pornography, gender confusion, and other forms of sexual brokenness. Mm. Like a generation of Christians that look pornography square in the eyes and say, we want nothing to do with that. Mm. And there's nothing in the world that I think is as, uh, that I'm as stoked about as, mm. as that. And so, yeah, the documentary is in, yeah, it's in like a handful of countries now. It's in, it's in Canada, United States, yeah. uh, Abu Dhabi, parts of India, a few churches in Australia oh, are using it. That's so good. Mm -hmm. We have like uh, 7,000 views on the thing total now at this point. 8,000. So I, God is good, man. God is good. I'm very grateful. And then up next, we've got, we've got some stuff that we're working on now for, well, Jem, you can take that, take that on. Yeah. No, uh, in this year, we're working on kind of three main projects, which I'm super excited about. One, we've already filmed with David Platt uh, doing kind of this bonus episode that will connect up to the Intellight video series okay. just on how uh, freedom from pornography doesn't just affect you, doesn't just affect your family, your church. It also can have implications and, and roll over to the nations. And the nations can hear the gospel because – people are equipped and ready to go. So the other thing we're, we're working on is a video series for parents proactively mm. on how to introduce sexuality in an age appropriate way to their children. So good. Uh, and then also how do you handle technology in the home? How do you, you know, porn proof your house, so to speak, and, and then begin having those discussions with your kids as they're six, eight, 10, 12, uh, and then sending them off to, to be, adults on their own mm. so that's we're, we're probably going to do that in an episode series uh and then we're thinking about some some other projects for the future but that's kind of some of the next stuff we're working on right now really cool that's very cool uh steve did you have any uh last questions you wanted to ask our guys before we wrap up no just um well, actually, I do. <laughs> so, <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> th th yeah, this is something that we always want to do. So, if our listeners and viewers uh, want to watch the documentary, want to know and learn more about the ministry that you guys are mm. engaged in, where would you send them? Into the light documentary.com is, is our website. And you can also look us up on Instagram, 
Into the Light documentary as well to watch kind of highlights, sections of it. And that will also link you to everything. But the the whole documentary, the episode series, our podcasts, all of it's free on our website, intothelightdocumentary.com. Just yeah. suppose uh, the rollover to that is it's it's free because people believe in a generation of Christians who who are who want nothing to do with pornography. So last summer we raised eighty five thousand dollars in order to produce the documentary. So good. Um, and and yeah. again, people sacrificially gave because they care about this issue. And now there are people who can use it for free. I'm so grateful for that. Um, but the stuff that we're coming up with the future, parenting resources, um, you know they. They're free, but they have a price tag. And so if there's, I would just humbly ask if there are any of your listeners who who care about this, you can donate online or, or shoot us an email and we'll, we'd love to have a meeting and talk about if they want to join us on our monthly team. So that's awesome. throwing that out there. Thank you guys so much for the work that you're doing. I, I think I speak on behalf of Steve and the rest of our organization that, you know, what the work you guys are doing is super necessary and seeing the way you go about it is really encouraging for the body of Christ, for the greater body of Christ. and I'm excited for these these new projects. So mm. we're we're definitely listeners. We're definitely going to be having these guys back on once those uh, those new projects drop. Love to hear the updates. Love to just continue to hear how God is is moving in this ministry. And we're going to have a link to the documentary in the show notes. So listeners, you guys can go and 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 check that out. Follow them. Please follow them. Engage with their content. Share with everything that they're doing because this is the kingdom, right? And mm. we want to see uh, we want to see people set free so that they may worship mm. the Lord uh, in spirit and in truth. So thank you, gentlemen, so, so much for your time this morning, your afternoon. <laughs> Listeners, this has been the AC Podcast. Thank you so much for, for tuning in. You make sure to like and subscribe. This episode in particular will also be on YouTube. So feel free to subscribe to Apologetics Canada on YouTube. But you know the drill. Love God, love people, and join us next week when we find more things to think about. Bye for now. Love God, love people, love people, love people.